You may want to guard your eyes because we're going to flip the lights on abruptly here and we're going to go to Joshua chapter 3. You'll be happy to know that over at Sherwood we'll be able to fade them up subtly. It will also be the morning, so it won't really probably matter as much. But Joshua chapter 3, as I said, we are making a move, not only a physical move across town, we're making a, we're making a family shift combining with another group. Uh, we'll have 40 plus new folks uh, together with us and um, the next month or so, like I said we had earlier, we have four more Sundays here. And then we'll make that move. Um, we are starting on Friday, the 30 days of prayer, which is going to take us right up to that weekend. And um, that is a, a yearly prayer emphasis that we do. Normally we would have started by now, but uh, we're kind of timing it to where we can basically pray ourselves into this transition. And so that's going to be starting on Friday. And you can uh, just be, be on the lookout on social media and also uh, through our email list. We'll communicate how that's going to uh, happen and all that stuff. We are praying through our uh, church covenant line by line. We've done that a couple of times over the years, but this is going to be a form of preparing us to renew our covenant and to make a make this covenant with this new group of people. They are going through uh, the uh, like the membership process. They're going to be going through those books over the next couple of Sunday mornings, and so they're getting ready to enter into covenant. We're getting ready to renew covenant, and so on that. Uh, that weekend that's going to be happening. And so if you want to be a part of that, then we are trying to schedule a membership class as well. And so you need to let us know that really soon. And so, but Friday we start the 30 days of prayer that'll take us right into that. It's going to be great. And we have work day coming up and a couple of those things to get ready for this move. And I've been trying to use these remaining Sunday nights to kind of get us ready. I feel like there are some things that we need to, to have on our radar, I think that God has been building us and wiring us up to be able to do this for a long time. Um, I believe that uh, that we really are very, a good fit to go in and do this kind of thing. And uh, journeying through Joshua, I think, has allowed maybe some points to come out that need to. And so if you're a podcaster, I would uh, encourage you just to go listen to those things and see, uh, kind of catch up if you weren't here the last week or two. Um, in Joshua 3, we find them ready to go across the river. And so um, God has promised them that he would settle them in this land. And they have gone on it. It's been quite a journey to get to this point. And they have to cross over this river and then begin to go in and take the land that's there. And uh, this is the miracle story um, that I've been referring to. And so let's just read through it. Uh, a little bit at a time, starting in verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. They came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way that you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Okay, let's hit pause right there. 
So it's time for them to go across the river. The officers go throughout the camp, and they're like, okay, when you see the ark moving, then like, pack yourself up and follow it. It's time to go. And there's this perspective that ha- you know, he's like, okay, but don't get too close to it. We want, we want there to be a pretty good distance uh, be- between the group of people and the ark. And um, so the ark is, you know, it's, it's, they're carrying the Ten Commandments, that kind of stuff. We've all seen Indiana Jones, probably. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, and so the Ark of the Covenant uh, has the Ten Commandments inside of them. And, uh, but it's also considered like where God was dwelling. And so the Ark was not just this, you know, uh, mascot type thing that they carried around. They were like, no, that's God out there. Like when they saw it, like that's who, that's where God lives in that, like there. And so it says, hey, so the ark's going to start moving and don't f- form a single file line. There needs to be some distance there. It's this mass crowd of people. And it says, you don't know where to go and God's going to show you where to go, but don't get too close because we need the most of you to see it. And that's what I kind of feel like this, this third chapter of Joshua, in terms of us preparing to make the move, I think this is the role it's supposed to play, is that, that kind of far out front perspective, this, this more of a macro view. Last week I got into the, like, some real detailed things, uh, more of a micro, micro view. This is more macro. This is more like, hey, let the art get way out in front so that the most people can see, instead of just the people that are its closest to. So he has them do that on purpose because he wants them all to know exactly what's happening. Verse 5, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. If there was a key verse for tonight, I think that would be in the running. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let me define a few terms here. Consecrate means to set apart by purification um, and to dedicate yourself for holiness. And say, okay, you're, tomorrow is not going to be a normal day for you. And so you need to prepare yourself. You need to dedicate yourself unto holiness. You need to purify everything about you. Like, Don't go into tomorrow as like you came into today because these are different things. So you need to dedicate yourself into holiness. So what, what does holiness mean? Um, for years we've kind of worked off this twofold understanding. One is it's separate from sin. Two, devoted to the glory of God. So the Bible is separate from other books and it's devoted to God's glory. The Sabbath day was separate from other days devoted to God's glory. God being holy is separate and unaffected by sin. He is pure. He is other in every sense of the word and he is dedicated to his own glory and so he's saying hey look at your life um, dedicate yourself to holiness confess uh, go through all the ceremonial cleansing things that they had in their day Uh, don't treat tomorrow like today because tomorrow is different God's going to do something special so consecrate yourselves and then he says uh, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you so wonders, that Hebrew word, uh, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, and so I, I try to do my homework when I can. That word is used uh, to talk about miraculous, extraordinary acts of redemption. Miraculous and extraordinary acts of redemption. Like acts that are beyond one's power. Acts that are difficult to understand. 
but acts that when God does this, like, like beyond your own power, difficult to understand, amazing thing, it is, it is redeeming for his people. Um, it is about something bigger, bigger than them. And so that word, uh, let me read two verses to you real quick. It's the same word that you find in Exodus 3, verse 20. He says, So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. Talking about the plagues. It's the same thing. He's like, hey, um, I'm going to do wonders among you. Same word. He says, hey, I'm going to do wonders. uh, All these plagues that are going to systematically overthrow all the false gods of Egypt as leading to the freeing of my people from bondage. Miraculous act of redemption. He also uses this in Exodus 34.10. says, Behold, I'm making a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels, such as, as have not been uh, created in all the earth or in any nation. All the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. All throughout the Psalms, there's this word that's used about these miraculous, wonderful things. Uh, when Habakkuk says, I've heard of your awesome deeds, do them in my day. Uh, that's the same, it's the same idea. So he says, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Um, set yourselves apart because tomorrow is going to stun you. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be redemptive. Um, so in other words, get ready and pay attention. And I, uh, I, I keep catching myself being very, like, c- cerebral is the only way, I, not the only way, but it's the way I keep thinking of it, you know. How, how easy it is to fall into this trap of, okay, so these two churches are going to merge. It's like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, one, one group has, has, like, a lot of senior adults and not a lot of young families. The other church has a lot of young families and not a lot of senior adults, so they're a great fit together. And one church has a building, and the other church was looking for a building. And, uh, you know, like everything, it just, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a no-brainer, right? And it's easy to, like, see all the logical boxes that it checks. And just to be like, cool, what do we need to do? We need to get the budgets merged and figure out what, how do you do the reincorporation and this and this and this and what's going to happen. And what do we need to do to get the nurseries ready and the sanctuary ready and how we do all that stuff. And then when are we going to make the move? And it's just like I have, like, this... Stupidly long list of like things that need to be done and who's going to do them and all that kind of stuff and I get very bogged down in it even though I'm not administrative at all. Some of you are amening in your mind probably I'm not administrative at all, but I've, I've kind of had to be and I'm so I'm like kind of in this thing and sometimes I feel like God being like, hey, pick your head up, man, like quit burying it in the details in the lists and take a deep breath. Because this is not like anything that's happened before. This is not, you know, this is 20 years heading to this point. And it's going to be almost 20 years to the Sunday that we do the public, like, tell all your friends, come for our Easter service. Almost 20 years to the Sunday since we started back in Parkview in 1998, at the end of March. And God's like, hey, this, this is special. Like, don't... Don't get so lost in the details that you miss the fact that something amazing is happening. And so he's telling them, he's giving this group a, a, like a day's heads up. He's like, hey, look, tomorrow is different. Consecrate yourselves, for the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Get ready. Pay attention. And so I bring that to you to do with what you will.
Look at verse 6. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Okay. So he looks at, at Joshua and he says, Hey, you, you don't have to... You don't have to fight for power or like worry about that kind of like I'm gonna I'm gonna establish you, it's all gonna be fine, don't worry about that. Here's what you need to do. Tell the priests that they're gonna have to step into the water. Now to us that's like, okay, what's what's the big deal, you know? Not probably not that daunting to tell the priest to pick up the ark, go stand in the middle of the river. So the Jordan, I know this from my intense research in my ESV study Bible, thanks to Adam Zapp. Um, the Jordan was normally like 100 feet across and anywhere from 3 to 10 feet deep. So not a massive river. Not the kind of river where this would seem like a crazy you know, thing to ask them to do. But we see a few verses later that during this time of year, it was overflowing so all the, the snow would melt in the mountains and run down. And this river would be like, they don't know how wide, but really, really wide. And moving really, really quickly. So this was not the time of year where this was an easy time to walk out and stand in the middle of the Jordan River. This was, a, uh, this was an exceptionally weird request from, from God to Joshua and from Joshua to these priests. And so don't, don't let that like miss us that God's like, hey, I'm going to ask you to do something that's probably going to be very intimidating to do. And so, uh, yeah, so verse 9. I love this. I can't get away from this. Joshua said to the people, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This, this is not a speech of some great leader, you know, who's like fighting for power. He's not stomping for himself. I don't really know what that word means, but I think I know what it means. Uh, he, you know, he's not like, like uh, follow me, follow me, follow me. He's not trying to build a platform, you know. I'm so tired of all that stuff. He's not like trying to like make himself heard. He's like, hey, come, come and listen. Come here. He like calls them all together. I feel like it's like when a coach gathers the team, except there's like tens of thousands, you know. But he's like, come here, come here, come here. And listen to the words of the Lord your God. That's all that we need. That's all that we need. We just need to know, what does God have to say? And so this really great leader says, come here, listen to the words of the Lord. And so he's kind of, I feel like he's kind of got their attention. They're like, whoa, this is intense. In verse 10. It says, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. Now, that list to us doesn't, you know, like, who are those people? But if you were to read back in Deuteronomy, those were the nations that God had already named that live in the promised land. Like, they knew, they knew who those people were. 
Those were the ones they were going to have to go up against because they were already inhabiting the land. So God had already told them in Deuteronomy that these nations, He already told them they didn't have to look, that they were more of them, there were more of these people than them, and that they were mightier than them. So it's like, hey, I'm going to bring you in, and you're going to be way outnumbered, and they're going to be much better at fighting. You're terrible at fighting. They're going to be awesome at fighting. So they were probably super eager. But he told them that he would give them the victory. So here, here's what's happening in this moment. This, this long shot of a promise that had made a, been made a long time before, it was about to get super real for them. And probably they were going to doubt a lot. If you, if you keep reading in the story, you know that happens. Like Every time they lay eyes on these people, they're like, Oh my gosh, these people are huge. They are so good at fights. And every time they come up against an obstacle, they're like, Oh, not sure, not sure, not sure. And so God says, Hey, this is this long shot of a promise that you've been holding on to for a long time. It's about to get real. And you're probably going to doubt a lot. So I'm going to do this incredibly wonderful act that's going to remain fresh on your minds. Is I'm going to do something right now, in this moment. Come and listen. I'm about to do something crazy. Because I want it to be fresh in your minds. But most importantly, as Joshua said, here's how you'll know that the living God is among you. It's not really as, as much about the battles ahead as much as like here, if you want to you make sure you know God's with us, then consecrate yourselves. Get yourself ready. Pay attention. In verse 11, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Verse 12, Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Okay, so, this is come and, come and listen. This is how you're going to know that God is with you. This is the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is going to go before you into the river. So here's this overflowing river, and they're like, what are we going to do? Our, we're trying to get over there? How are we going to get across this? And God says, well, I, I'm going to go first. Have you ever, as parents, have you ever tried to like, your kids are scared of something, so you're like, well, watch, I'll, do, I'll go first, and then you'll see it's okay. The same. It says, I'm going to go out into the Jordan. The Ark of the Covenant is going to go out into the Jordan. And the priests are going to carry me out of there, but I'm, I'm going. The most precious one in the universe, and the most important like physical thing to this nation, the Ark of the Covenant, is going to go in, in the river. And so if it was dangerous, then... Uh, well, that wouldn't, that wouldn't happen. So God says, I'm going to go. And, and I was reading that this week, and I just felt like, man, that's so cool that God's like, hey, I'm never going to send you somewhere I haven't gone already. Like, I'm not going to ask you to go and do something that I, or I'm not already going ahead of you, preparing you the way, preparing the way, showing the way. And he tells them, I'm going to stay there until every one of you are across. That God is like with, with them in that kind of way. I'll show you the way. I'll show you it's safe. I'll stay there to the end. And I know there are a lot of uncertainties with this thing that we're going into, and um, that's fine, you know. 
And I've heard, you know, I know uncertainty is on our side, on their side, all this kind of stuff, you know, but I almost feel like both, like both groups are in a situation that someone's like, we're, we're standing on uh, the, this side of the river, and we're like, hey, the, you know, on the other side is like this like unified, wonderful church family that's like on mission together, and it's going to be beautiful and amazing. And we're like, how do we get from here to there, you know? How do strangers become family? How, do, how does an approach to ministry become this like one like synergistic? I don't know if synergistic is right, but how does, how does all that stuff happen in such a way where we're like effective and we're like doing the thing we're supposed to do? And God's like, yeah, um, I, you know, you've never been that way before. I've been that way. I know how to do that. I do it all the time, actually. And um, I'm going to go ahead of you and show you that it's safe, and I'm going to be there and let you all cross into that safely. I'm never going to ask you to go somewhere I haven't already been. And um, it's pretty beautiful. But then, verse, thir- you know, verse 13, he says, uh, When the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above stand in one heap. So he tells them exactly what to look for, but here's, here's what, what we have to realize is that this is a generation who had heard about the plagues in Egypt, and about you know all the different like crazy things, and then uh, Pharaoh let him go, and he changed his mind, and they got to the to the Nile, and or was it the Red Sea? The Red Sea? It was the Red Sea? Sorry, I'm getting my bodies of water confused. They get to the Red Sea, and they're like, "Where do we go?" And God like parts the sea, and they go across it on dry land, you know. And they weren't around for that really. These are the, like the kids and the grandkids and all that stuff of those folks. So they had heard the stories, but they hadn't experienced it the same way. In fact, they had grown up walking around the desert because those people were disobedient and did not get a chance to make it this far. And so, much like Habakkuk, in his prayer in chapter 3, they're like, Lord, we know that you've done these things, we've heard of it, but we haven't experienced it ourselves. And so how beautiful that God's like, hey, I'm going to give you your own miracle. I'm going to give you like a fresh, new, crisp, shiny miracle that you get to watch. And it's going to be similar to the one you've heard about, like similar enough to where you're like, oh, this feels familiar. But it's going to be different enough to where you're like, no, this one's ours. How, how great of him, you know? Like what, what a beautiful gift to them. Now he knew they were going to need it. But he could have done a whole bunch of things in a whole bunch of different ways. But he says, no, I'm gonna, I know exactly what needs to happen here. One, you need to get across this river. And I'm going to make it stop. And, and as you walk across, as you, you see it, and you see the water dammed up on one end, and you walk across, and you get closer and closer and closer to the ark, and you're like, man, the ark's still there. And you get, you're going to go, and you're going to wait for everyone else on the other side, and you're going to watch that ark come up, uh, over onto the shore, and then the water's going to come back down, and... You're going to see it all. So no wonder he told them, consecrate yourselves, for the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. No wonder he said, get, get yourself ready and pay attention. This is absolutely important. You cannot miss this. You cannot be so buried in the details, in the, like, the, the list and the awesome, you know, like the, all the logistics and all those kinds of things that you miss. This big, macro, amazing, awesome, wonderful act of redemption that God is doing right in your midst. And so he tells them what to look for. Verse 14. 
So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come to, as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, like I told you. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that's beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Just like he promised. Now, can you imagine what, what that was like for them? But not in like a, what did this do for their faith for the next few decades? Not that, not looking ahead at the rest of Joshua, of the, the book. Not looking at the different battles and all that, and how it played into it. Just imagine what it was like for them to be on one side... Have God describe what's about to happen. They watch it happen. They walk by the ark. They get to the other side. The whole nation is there. And the whole group has traveled from one side to the other. Can you just soak up what it would be like for that thing to have just been completed? It had to just be stunning to them. I know this is probably not really possible, but like... Have you ever been in a room, aside, besides this one right now, where something is happening and everyone is just completely quiet? And not because it's a sermon and you're, I guess, supposed to, but like, where like something so serious, there's like a massive crowd and everyone's just standing there. That's what I, that's what my heart feels. It's like when they got to the other side and the whole nation had crossed and the, the priest came, came off that dry ground and got to the other side and the whole, everyone's on the other side. I, I just I feel like, like man, what if they were just all quiet? Because they were like, "Can you believe what we just experienced? Can you believe this is our God who's doing this for us?" I read an interesting thing at the end of verse seventeen. It says they were passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. And this commentary said that this is the first time that they are called a nation. That they had been referred to the people of Israel. But now, they're, like God in His Word calls them a nation for the first time. Like there was this identity shift. I don't know what to do with that, but I thought it was poignant. <laughs> So a couple of things in closing. It's a very different situation, them and us. And so, you, I say this every week, I'm very hesitant to say, these are exactly the same, because they are not the same. But I think, it's, I think there's enough for us to pay attention. Because this thing that we're, that God, we're in, entering into, like this doesn't just happen. Um, like it happens, like, like it happens all around the country all the time, this thing, so it's not like we're breaking ground. No, this... This thing happens, but not in this way. Like, there is something special and beautiful about this particular story. So, 
In verse 9, he says, Come here, listen to the words of the Lord your God. We need to make sure we're listening to all that he's communicating to us through this season that we're in. He tells them that uh, this miracle that he's doing for them was going to be a, a sign that he is among us. And I feel like we can pull that into our situation too. Um, that he is with us. And if you've been with Living Hope for a while and maybe you're frustrated because it would seem like we're treading water for a long time and that kind of stuff, um, I think God's like, hey, I'm, I'm here. It's It's okay. The ark went into the river before them. God's going ahead of us into this thing. So every everything we need to know, He already knows it because He's He's there already, going before us. God tells them, "This is the miracle I'm about to do." And I don't know. I struggle. I'm like, "Is this a miracle?" You know, like, is it a? Can you like stamp miracle on this thing that we're doing? Well, in to use that Hebrew word that they use in this story, do you think this is an extraordinary act of redemption? I think a lot of that has to do with how we let it, how we let it bless us. You know? um, so, but overall, I think we we can't miss the big, the big huge thing that he's doing. That we prayed for years. He said, ask, seek, knock. We've been doing that. We say, give us a fish. And he's like, well, I'm not going to give you a fish. I'm definitely not going to give you a stone or a snake. So you ask for fish and bread. I'm not, gonna, you know, I'm not ready. I have fish and bread coming for you. You just need to wait and be faithful where you are. And we've been praying, and they've been praying. And can it be as seamless as it has been? Can two Baptist groups vote 100%? Can we, like, I was there this morning, like, they're just like, when are y'all coming? Get over here, you know? And uh, I'm like, soon enough, you know? Like, can't, can't, I know that there's probably like a honeymoon period coming where it's going to be like, hey, and there's going to be like, wait a second. <laughs> but can we not worry about the battles to come, like I don't mean battles, not even in a bad way, like in a good, like the refining things that are going to happen, and can we just realize that we're on the cusp of something amazing, and can we just let it bless us and keep us? Can we not miss the macro because we're obsessed with the micro? Can we be stunned by His power and authority and goodness for us, and for Sherwood, and for our kids, and for those who are far off, you know? Can we just have some moments to pause and just be like, wow, this is amazing. And so, uh, I would encourage you to find time to do that on your own. We'll take a few moments tonight to do that as well. Uh, It's a part of why we gather, to do some things. But I would encourage you, um, I think God has something in there for us as individuals as well. so, I'm going to pray. And, uh, you know, we, res- we do communion every week. And that will continue when we go. And you don't have to be a member here to receive what Jesus is offering you. Uh, you just have to be willing to say yes to Him. 
And it's the, it's the kind where you tear the bread and you dip it in yourself. That's going to be one way you can respond. You can kneel and pray. You can sing. But uh, we're going to proceed just a little bit differently. But it'll be, it'll be fine. So I'm going to pray for us and then I'll kind of explain that as we go. So let's, let's pray as the, as the band comes back. Thankful for all you're doing among us and to be in a room with people who love you and love one another. People that you have said yes to. People who have said yes to you in return. And uh, here we are. Uh, not quite like the Israelites. Our journey's not been nearly as uh, difficult or whatever, but nonetheless, we're your people, and we're gathered, and we're on the cusp of something. We sense your goodness and your nearness, and are so grateful. And I don't think I'm the only one who can get lost in some of the details and just some of the some of the cool things about it, and then maybe miss this really special thing happening around us. And so we're going to take a few minutes to just not miss it and then respond to you and pray, God, that the things that you want us as individuals or as families or groups of friends or whatever, the things you want us to receive, we want to receive it. But tonight, just collectively as a group, um, We don't want to miss uh, what you're doing. And so I ask that you would bless us in these moments. And um, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So if you read in the book of Psalms, every now and then there's this there's this word that appears that, uh, from what I have researched, they don't, aren't really sh- totally sure what it means. It's the word Selah. And uh, so there's a few different ideas, but one of... One of them is that it's just like a place in the Psalms where they'll just hit, like, like, hey, let's just pause for a second and let this kind of kind of soak up, you know. And so we're going to do that before communion. And so we're going to do this song, and I want you to stay seated. You can sing, but I just want you to stay seated. And um, we're going to do this one song that will just kind of be a Selah moment for us. And uh, it's largely written from this passage of Scripture. So we'll do this song. And then the song after that, you can stand, the communion will start, we'll kind of roll from there. But during this time, you can just, you can sing along, you can just sit there and pray. But this is going to kind of be that moment where we're able to just receive and just be blessed. So you just hang out in this moment for a minute and then, you know, we'll sing together. <laughs> 